Here we go. This is Blue 42. We're going to go red, right, tight, close, sprint left, GU corner, halfback, flat, on two. Ready? Right. Now here's your hosts, Danny O'Neill and Paul Gallant. Blue 42! Blue 42! Good morning, Brock. How are you now? Good morning, Polly. I'm, I'm doing well. Are you guys a little short show today with the Mariners and Tigers? A little shorter show? Do we do. We're going to talk to Jerry DePoto at 8.30, and we're out nice. of here at 9 for the pregame. That's mm-hmm. what I'm talking about. I love that on those little those little tokens every once in a while, three times a year, a little morning game. Nice. Good. But we got to bring it now. we got to put on show, so let's go. All right. Well, I'm going to allow you two uh, vultures hyenas to pick at this carcass because Brock, Danny, per former Pac-12 Commissioner Larry Scott, the failures of the conference were not his fault in a very (laughs) on-brand exit interview that he did. Did you read this, Brock? Uh, No, Daniel, I have not. (laughs) So he, he talked to the Associated Press for 25 minutes. I'll read you. He was specifically asked about what he could have done. To improve mm. the fortunes in football, okay. I'm going to read you. This is this is this is his response. We don't have the sound of it because he didn't do a press conference. He just talked to the Associated Press. USC, Oregon, Stanford, Washington, not getting to the playoffs more often or winning has very little to do with the conference office. Between compliance issues, coaching changes, and other things, some of our traditional powerhouses have struggled the last few years, and that's hurt the league overall. Wow! Don't ask me about that. Go talk to them. Talk to Clay Helton, just like the singles tennis player that he is. Yeah, it must be the judge's fault. Well, I think I've told you guys. I, I know, Danny, I've told you this story on a couple different occasions. The Pac-12 conference, actually, for media days, takes care of their media and their coaches and, and ADs as well as anybody during those couple days uh, through the years as Larry was in office. And that meant catered meal at at Mastro's and Beverly Hills and an open bar, which was amusing to watch some of the coaches over the years. Take part in that open bar, yes. And uh, Kevin Sublin. And um, and Larry Scott would get up there. Rich Rodriguez. Uh, Larry Scott would get up there and try to talk. And, uh, I mean, the last couple of years, it was embarrassing. Like, I, I genuinely felt bad for the man. There was not a coach in there listening. Like the, the 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 looks that he would try to get up and speak, and it was uh, it was a hard hard watch. And he shared with me, you know, on a couple of those different occasions, the same thing that that he shared with the AP, and that is, what am I to do? I mean, these fan bases aren't into it. If if the West Coast doesn't care as much as they care down in the SEC, what is it that I can do in the position that I'm in? So oh, I got yeah. an answer for that, Brock. I got yeah. an answer for that. Yeah. Uh huh. Take your Pac-12 network, which you decided to own, and get that available in all the households ah, in your yes. conference footprint. You think like a, that? That would be a starting spot. You want to drum up more interest and attention? Have it so everyone who lives in your conference's area and likes your conference can purchase the product. Could they yes. do that, Brock? Uh, they could have. They should have. Uh, I, I would hope the new commissioner, George Klievkoff, uh, will... Uh, work to get that done. Find a partner. But I don't know. The conference couldn't own it. Half the conference, half the conference residents could not buy. Like we're not able to order it. Correct. Oh. Correct. Oh, and when you travel and you watch, 
in a, in a sports bar across the country, you can't watch it either. So all of your <laughs> yeah. Pac-12 folks that have that have left the the, the footprint, Danny, and, and live across this great country because they maybe got an excellent education somewhere at Stanford, at USC, at Washington, along the way, and, and they work elsewhere. Guess what? They want to go to the to the sports bar. They want to go to Buffalo Wild Wings and and watch some games. Where's the Pac-12 network? Oh, sorry. Yep, not on. Not on the direct TV at any of the sports bars across the country. Nope. So, yeah, I think that that's a pertinent first step, and I think the new commission knows it. And Larry would tell you, and he'd make the same excuse, that wasn't my call. That was the president's. I mean, early on, you know, as we tried to build that thing out, and, you know, there was a board, and there were people there, and it wasn't all my say. And But, man, when you're in that he spot He got paid making, $5 million because he billed himself as a TV executive, and his TV million, network Dan. was not available. You got paid $5.5 million. You got paid $5.5 million. Uh-huh. More than any other conference commissioner. Here's the last one that I would say is, how about, Larry, how about why did your conference have an executive, Woody Dixon, in the replay booth during games? Why was he talking to the officials? Why was a bureaucrat in there and, and when he was in there just so happened to influence a call in favor of USC? Why so, did that happen? Because that so, doesn't sound like sound sound so corporate about, functioning so either. So about that. So about that. The way my leg was, you see, is just bad. It's bad. <laughs> All that was really bad. I hope. I is it, people usually say like, "Don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you." I hope the door hits him where the good Lord split him. I hope it hits him hard, and I hope it knocks him on the top of his ever thinning head. Next question. I wish bed bugs on him. I hope Whoa. he has bed bugs. Question, question two. <laughs> that's All right, mean. Brian. Come on. I love how Laura is a loyal, loyal leader in your show. I say next question. She don't hit it. She waits till the cat. <laughs> <laughs> I like uh, that. <laughs> Brock, the yes. Seahawks have a new offensive coordinator in Shane Walter. He comes from the Sean McVay tree. The Sean McVay tree grows in the orchard of the Shanahan tree, all descended from Mike Shanahan up on high, captain of the zone blocking run scheme and all these. Does the fact that two other teams in this division run variants of the same offense or things with the same principles mean that San Francisco and the Rams will be better capable of defending what Seattle does? Well, we watched that with San Francisco, right, in a variant with Robert Sala in their mm-hmm. scheme come in and run the defense like the Seahawks did. I, I wouldn't point to that and say, oh, man, you know, that, that was the issue. They just they just took the scheme and, and did it better, tricked it out a little bit better. It was their personnel, Danny. It was their personnel that did it better. And, and this is where if you're Pete Carroll, and I think why you made this move, is you love how that – orchard of trees puts together kind of like an orchard as you were as you were describing that for some reason my mind went over to yakima and so many of those apple orchards and cherry orchards and you just see the the symmetry in those places right you see the planting and in the in just how everything fits together the way it needs to for efficiency that's what and why Pete made this move. And he believes that he's got the personnel and DK and Tyler and Chris Carson and Russell Wilson and and Gerald Everett who knows it like yep you know, give me give me our personnel in in, in with the, whatever variant, whatever you want. Say with the system, and I think we're going to operate it more efficiently, more explosively, and better than anybody else in the division. Eventually, that orchard's going to run out of fruit, though, right? I mean, we've seen over the last couple of years just coming out of that specific one. Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt Lafleur, Mike Lafleur goes up to New York. We also have Zach Taylor. All the apples can't be good. Yeah. Some of them 
probably aren't going to be on the same caliber as the others, right? Well, and I think one of the challenges here is there is going to be a learning curve. I know that Shane Waldron called plays at BBNN, you know, Mike Salk's high school out there in the Northeast. Snow Fair Academy. But it, but it's a different it's a different animal to call plays. It's a different animal to prepare and plan all week, right? And then actually call them in the game and have that time on task, actually doing that job. And, you know, I, I think you've watched some of the painful steps there. Some of its personnel, obviously, in Cincinnati was Zach Taylor. Uh, Lafleur. it took a little while for for him and Aaron to get on the same page. And Lafleur even had some of the background of calling plays before. So there is going to be a, a learning curve. And, you know, in particular, I remember more than anything else, and I forget if it was the NFC, I think it was an NFC championship game. And they had a camera right behind Shanahan. I don't know if you guys remember this a couple years ago. And he's on the sidelines and he calls the place and he's, you know, kind of walking up and down the sidelines and he bumps into like the back judge and he wants to make sure, hey, you know, Kittle's going to run an out route here. Hey, watch the out route, the tight end here. Watch him grabbing. Like he's just on every last detail of it. He knows based on what the defense is doing, what the coverage dictates with that formation and everything else, tendencies. He knows it well enough inside and out, not know his personnel, to not just know the defensive personnel, but to have the keen insight to be able to tell the uh, the back judge there who's going to be watching that play in front, like, hey, just heads up, tight end's going to be running out route, it's going to be one-on-one coverage. You know, watch, watch make sure that guy didn't grab him. Did that back judge hear it? I, I have no idea. Did that stick in that back judge's mind? Like, my gosh, this guy's kind of a wizard. This game is slowing down for him to that point. Uh, I guarantee that. And, you know, hopefully over the course of the year, Shane proves himself just as a capable and, and adept play caller because there will be a learning curve. Question three. This also has to do with Shane Brock. Shane Brock? <laughs> Shane, comma, Brock. Uh... I was putting a piece together, way too nerdy, way too much research for 710sports.com to see if there's a statistical trend when good quarterbacks get a new offensive coordinator. Mm. Unfortunately, I couldn't find one, but along the way, I found it interesting that of 33 coordinator hires for quarterbacks that I determined good, about 15 over the last 10 years, only four had no prior experience as an offensive coordinator wow. or as a head coach or having been on the same staff as said quarterback in the NFL or in college. And Shane Waldron would fall into that category. He would be number five. You mentioned that learning curve. That's got to add to that learning curve because it's not just being a coordinator for the first time, but it's also building a relationship with the quarterback in Russell Wilson. Oh, there's no question about it. Just out of curiosity, you kind of piqued my interest. Do you have that info in front of you? Who are the other four? The other four, hang on a second. Let me grab it really quickly. The other four are um, Nick Sirianni, Steve Sarkeesian, Joe Lombardi, and Ben McAdoo. Okay. Not a terribly inspiring, inspiring no. Uh, quote. no foursome right there. Sands <laughs> on, on the first tee at the at the golf course. You, you're right. Relationship does matter. I mean, I, I think of obviously, and we watched it with Aaron Rodgers and a Matt Lafleur, who had experience. What coming from Tennessee and calling plays and everything else. Still incredibly young guy. 
still compared in experience from an Aaron Rodgers to a Matt LaFleur, like night and day experience of, of success, of, of, and I'll use it for the third time, that time on task. Aaron Rodgers, basically the quasi-coordinator there for, for years in Green Bay, doing what he wanted to do. So, And you saw some of the friction there. Now, Russell's personality is not Aaron Rodgers. I think he's much more coachable. I think he's much more workable. But he's going to be equally demanding, Russell is. I think Shane Waldron is. You heard DK echo exactly what Tyler Lockett said, and that is, man, there's some new stuff here. Like, this excites me, but there is absolutely some new scheme, some new details. There is going to be, to, to, if everybody thinks you're going to just snap your finger and say, yep, oh, I can't wait to watch this. Got old Rockhead out of here now. He's in Jacksonville, you know, and, and everything else, like, there's, there's going to be some bumps in the road. This is not going to fire on every one of those cylinders from day one. It didn't in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers in the same scheme. You know, it, it, it hasn't in so many of those spots that you referenced there. there there's going to be some, some bumps in working through that adversity. I think will be a, a critical piece of this 2021 story. Do you think Rodgers likes the offense? That's kind of been lost in the he hates the GM for drafting Jordan Love. I can say that definitively, Danny, and having three Packers games last year and sitting on Zoom calls that as cerebral as Aaron is, he got bored in McCarthy's system. And talking to Greg Jennings, who was in that system, in in the booth working with him and Aaron, and just kind of point blank in some some of Greg's questions to him, just how invigorating it is. And there's a lot of language. And Aaron's frustration was really at times it was too much. Like, hey, man, you're putting so much on me here. We got all this language, all these calls, everything is checks. And if you don't get it into me in time, we're burning timeouts and, and, you know, being a little bit inefficient in and out of the huddle, hard time getting into some tempo. But, yes, I think he was invigorated by the just the intellectual challenge of the system, as I think number three will be here. I think there's going to be parts of this now. I, I think like Aaron, and and we talked about this a couple months ago with the whole RPO thing. I think Russell will also say, uh-uh, don't like that. Nope, yeah. that doesn't fit. Uh, I'm not best at that. I know what I can do. I know what I can see. I know how I work the best. I love that. Let's take this out. And I think in a, in you know you're not going to have this huge ego head coach Shane Waldron like a Matt Lafleur going no 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 this is my stuff right it took a little while because Aaron wanted his stuff and Lafleur wanted his stuff and eventually became the Green Bay Packers stuff I think that will happen much much quicker here in Seattle than it did there Brock it's always fun to talk to you it's great to catch up this week also enjoyed a little Pac-12 venting session basically I just <laughs> yell and scream and you provide a little bit of sanity to it. I will say this along those lines. I don't know if you guys watch the Women's World Series or not. I do. Oh it's awesome. It Women's college softball is a fantastic sport. Holy cow, is it fun. And Titus plays on those same dimensions, right? Right now at 11U, they're playing at the same 45 feet and everything else. And we're talking about these folks throwing 70 miles an hour and all the pitches. Just how incredible Oklahoma is as well. How about that scene last night? How about just the juice in that building? I mean, it was unbelievable. And that's where I hope, Danny, and this is where Larry Scott's saying, hey, what do you want me to do? And and I think you and I have answers to that. But, man, I hope some of these venues, I hope Husky Stadium is a rockin' like it used to rock. I hope, you know, even over in Pullman, that stadium rocks away it can rock. I hope the chainsaw's going in Corvallis. I know you hate the Ducks, but I hope they dance there. I, I hope we see the Coliseum in the Rose Bowl. Gone too far, Brock. I was I've, with you until you started talking about the Ducks okay, dancing. That's fair, that's fair. I don't want any of that. Yes. I, you know, that, that's what this, 
this conference needs. And I've got a couple of them. I've got LSU at UCLA in the Rose Bowl in week one. Hope it's not all purple and gold and 35,000 LSU fans. Uh, you know, I, I hope UCLA kind of steps up their game after having it away, taken away from them for a year. So, man, that venue last night got my just appetite wet for, I think, some of these venues that will be nuts in a couple months. Oklahoma beat Florida State last night 6-2. to two. It is the finals that forces the decisive game three, which should be absolutely awesome to watch. Uh, Jocelyn Allo with a huge two-run homer in that 6-2 Oklahoma victory. Brock, we love you. We'll talk to you next week. Sounds good, boys. See you. That is Brock here, Blue 42. He's with us on Monday, Tuesdays, and Thursdays.